contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In times of spiritual and moral chaos, it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life. God's word is not silent, and we don't have to be either. This is Once for All Delivered with Caleb Castro and Andrew Smith. Good evening, OFAD lads and lasses. Welcome to Once for All Delivered, a show that exists. Yes, hello, OFAD lads and lasses. Welcome to Once for All Delivered, a show that exists. Uh, it's I just said that. It is absolutely We were better when the AI was writing our <laughs> intros. And we were terrible when the AI was, was writing AI. our intro. Oh. I'm not an AI. I'm not an AI. People used to make Where? fun of me. They used to call me Android. <laughs> I'm sorry. I no, should not clever. have told you that. I should not oh. have told anyone that. I should not have said that. That was pretty clever though. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, yeah, OFAD. I am Andrew Smith. And I am Caleb Castro. Well, since you said that, uh, and to segue into our general topic before segueing into our pre-show topic, to segue to our actual topic, you get all that? Our Caleb Castro, uh, that was fun growing up because in California, in San Francisco, there is a particular... Uh, uh, demographic that I, is, you know, associated with the LGBT crowd. Uh, and that demographic lives in a district called the Castro District. So, yeah, that was hmm. fun. Yeah. Now, what does that have to do with, you know, what we might be doing here on this first day of June in the year of our Lord 2023? We're going to be talking about sin. Are we now? Yeah. But we already did that. We did sin and misery generally a few weeks ago, so... We're going to be speaking about particular, uh, particular sin, uh, known as the sin of pride, and its association with a certain month that people associate with. A certain month. A certain explicitly LGBTQ pride month. Yes. Wow, so, you're, you, you put the Q on. I'm still... I still refuse to go beyond like 2012, so I just do LGBT, and that's that's all that that's all the letters I'm using. Oh no, I like I like adding the the I like the adding the queer part the uh, the Q. It's uh you know actually I, I like adding all of them because it's kind of like you know how what they what they say like the alphabet soup. It's just kind of like oh, let's see what else we can do here. <laughs> yeah well there's you know what that's not it's really not a representative label though lgbtqia plus plus because isn't there allegedly some 70 something genders yeah but then I there's also i've seen some where they add like two s in there for two spirits because which i mean if we're talking about like demonic stuff since we don't have a planned normal Satanism talk like we usually do in this episode. We'll at least get a little bit of it in right here. Oh, contraire! I'm kidding. <laughs> Come on, you can't, you can't, you can't just spring uh, un uncontrolled spring Satan Satanism on, on me. I can't just spring sa Satanism on you. 
Okay, so before we get into our main topic, just yes. one announcement. Our pre-topic. Our pre-topic. Um, I did an interview, and I mentioned a while ago that I would be doing this. Um, I did an interview with Aldo Leon on the Kingdom Polemics podcast, talking about the theology of Meredith Klein and issues involved there. Uh, it's called Klein versus the Confessions. It's on YouTube. It's on podcasts under Kingdom Polemics. About an hour and a half long, because we can't do anything now that's less than an hour and a half long. But uh, I think it'd be worth your time. It's a good discussion, kind of bringing together some of the theological issues and some of the theological roots of a lot of the issues that we look at and issues in our world and issues in the church. So, again, and Kingdom Polemics. Probably not, probably not controversial at all. <laughs> yeah, it's already <laughs> stirred up a little bit of things, but... Yeah, no, it's it's how the sausage gets made, I guess. Anyway, now our main topic... <laughs> I've never heard the phrase. It's how the sausage gets made. Really? Maybe You've never heard a, that? That, no. should be a, that could be our tagline. How the sausage gets made. Yeah, well, well, we can incorporate it in there somewhere. Anyways, you're going to mention a topic. Yeah, so our main topic is, it is the first day of Pride Month, so we're going to talk about Pride. We already said that. I don't know why we we're did. saying it again. Well, how about, how about why, besides just, uh, besides just June 1st, um, why is this something to be spoken about? Is, does Scripture say anything about this? Why, yes, it does. It says so in Romans chapter 1. Of course, that would require me to have my Bible up. and I, was... I have it if you want me to read it. Why don't you read it? All right. Well, from Romans chapter 1, which we have never, ever, ever before uh, referenced uh, in any of our shows. So Romans 1 from uh, verse 18 onwards. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Is there music waiting, for you? Waiting for my Logos startup sound to clear. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> you just interrupted the word of the Lord. Thing is, nobody else can hear it, so it's just you. They're going to think you're crazy. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. I interrupted the reading of the word of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to start that again. Romans 1, 8 from... Uh, Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. 
or their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, ruthless, and heartless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. All right. Well, let's end so, right there. I mean, really, we could because this text just so perfectly like describes everything we're going to talk about. You basically, this text is our world. This is our culture. We see this unfolding in real time every day, and especially in this uh, annual June celebration of Pride Month, you just see it all thrown out on full display. All these sins and a. Uh, where they come from and where they go. Cotton Eye Joe. Um, <laughs> who boy, buckle up. It's going to be a long night. Um, yeah, so uh, with that as our starting off point biblically, we're going to walk through uh, some developments, what's been going on in the days leading up to the start of Pride Month and even just today, uh, things as it's kicked off. Uh, how this Pride Month has been maybe in some ways different from previous installments, and yet how we still uh, see the issues, how we still see the corruption in our culture, how we see some uh, compromise in some even surprising and difficult places, and then we'll offer some uh, uh, theological and practical comments, and that's basically the path we're going to take tonight, as much as we ever take a path on this show. <laughs> um, one fast note on that, actually, just one single note there from Romans one. Did you like? Do you like how that how it talks about the, associates this unrighteousness of men and ungodliness with uh, by pointing out that such men that walk in unrighteousness claim to be wise, mm -hmm. and that but really they are. And this is the nature of pride itself, and broadly speaking, just the sin of pride. But in this case, this boasting in uh, self-exaltation of, uh, of sin. You know, it is, it's, uh, this is the nature of the wisdom of the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sorry, just wanted to add that in there because it's, uh, I don't know, I, I just think that's a beautiful, uh, like, well, beautiful in one sense. That Paul very astute. A, well, Paul throws a doxology in the midst of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so here, you, like you said, starting on developments. What's that? Uh, the first development there? Well, this is something we talked about a few weeks ago when we did our stream on the law of God and the transgender crisis. We talked about uh, Dylan Mulvaney and his sponsorship by Bud Light and the backlash and the uh, controversy surrounding that. Well... 
You would think usually the way these boycotts go, that was a few weeks ago by now, this would be over. It is not over by any stretch. It's been ongoing. It's as bad as it's ever been. Uh, Bud Light sales are still down. Uh, as you, if you're watching on the video, we have slides now because we're fancy. You can see things, but uh, even if not, just take our word for it. Uh, down nearly 30% over the same week last year. Bud Light sales still are about a month into this controversy over Dylan Mulvaney. There's been various attempts made to walk this back, various attempts to uh, offer non-apology apologies. Now, there's various reasons why you won't get a real unqualified apology from AB InBev, the parent company of Anheuser-Busch, mm. which makes Bud Light. For one, they're owned by AB InBev, which is a Belgian company, uh, very much a liberal company, a globalist company, uh, and very much on board with uh, the LGBT movement and things like that. So they're never going to completely sell out. And in fact, even uh, just... Um, just in the last few days, it's come out, in, in case you thought maybe that they had learned their lesson, that the boycott was really working, uh, they announced that they were giving $200,000 to the LGBT Chamber of Commerce, a, an organization, a nonprofit, uh, specifically to help uh, LGBT-owned and operated businesses. Oh, wait. Uh, so Not just that. That's it. It's even better. They got to hit the intersection card because it's they're they're giving it to this LGBT chamber of commerce to support LGBT business owners of color. So you you have to check the boxes there. So right. <laughs> yeah, you got to go. You you got to dig deeper. Even yeah, the because that's intersectionality and the worldview surrounding it. We've talked about it before. The more the more of those boxes you check, the better. But yeah, so $200,000, which is, I mean, a small drop in a bucket for a company of this size, even as they're reeling from this boycott. Uh, but what it is, is they're basically caught between the rock and the hard place. They've alienated a lot of their core customer base, which is generally a blue-collar, working-class conservative Americans. Uh, but then also now they have... Uh, seemingly, at least in the eyes of the LGBT community, deserted and abandoned them. So, so everybody's mad at Bud Light, and Bud Light's, you know, they're doing, they're doing their best version they can of of crisis communication and damage control. But it does all just ring as very like hollow and disingenuous, because really, I mean, what else can it be? Oh, um, and the rest of all these that we are going to be bringing up. They're all that exact same thing, just to put it out now. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's, this is all a cash grab, and everyone knows it, even the LGBT communities. Yeah. If you're expecting this to be a real encouraging and hopeful stream and make you feel good about things, I'm sorry to say it's not going to be that show. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of... A lot of gloom and doom, but I think it's important to see it and important for us to think as Christians how we can deal with stuff like this. Well, now, the uh, this one here on a, a little bit more of a, a recent boycott, uh, 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 Target, Everybody, everybody's probably hearing about this one. And I think the, uh, the media, I don't know, the, the media portrayals or the, the, different, the different ways this, this issue has been surfacing and and uh and you know uh and evaluated it's been actually pretty interesting 
So you had a so you had Target there. Um, now Target had basically uh, I, I believe we mentioned this uh, at the end of our last live stream just briefly that uh, Target had partnered with uh, um, for one thing a Satanist uh, fashion designer who was putting out uh, Satan themed pride clothing satan uses pronouns as one uh you know that kind of stuff um trying to be you know edgy um and but target you know had, had also been putting out uh, uh was looking at putting out these uh transgender uh tuck friendly swimwear that's their phrase not ours um if you don't um, know you don't want to don't know. ask <laughs> yeah if, if you have to ask you don't want to know it's uh the uh but yeah, so, I mean, Target, Target has been putting out, like, LGBT stuff on Pride Month for a while now. Uh, Andrew mentioned already it's been uh, about seven years or so, six and a half years since uh, he had started uh, boycotting Target um, when they were allowing transgenders into, you know, whatever restrooms. Uh, so this is, so they've already have a history of this, but this most recent uh, matter following on the heels of this Budweiser uh, boycott, this Anheuser-Busch boycott, uh, there's started to be some serious backlash against Target, um, you know, and that they've pulled, uh, uh, they, they started pulling uh, these some of these pride merchandise due to certain they, threats, and some even putting them in the, actually in the back of the stores in the corner. Yeah, which actually we, we should talk about the threats because... Uh, initially, when they started pulling this merchandise, including they pulled the line by that uh, Satanist designer, and the Satanist designer now regrets ever getting involved with this. But anyway, um, so yeah, what initially happened is Target started pulling this merchandise out of some of their stores, and they were saying that there were threats uh, by anti-LGBT customers that were coming into their stores and harassing and threatening employees. Um, when I first heard this, I thought that that sounds like something that did not happen. In fact, I tweeted. Babylon one, I tweeted one of my favorite video memes, which is the the compilation of Jonathan Frakes from Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, and all the different ways he said that something was fiction. Um, when they were talking about that, it was these right wing threats that were uh, caused this merchandise to be pulled. I just didn't see why happen. And then some some journalists because apparently there are journalists who will still actually go out and try to verify stuff <laughs> like this actually went and looked and and uh decided no you know this this probably didn't actually happen they they debunked a lot of the talk of the threats uh from you know these right-wing anti-lgbt people so it seems like it it's very possible that the talk of threats was just to try to have an excuse um, because the thing is, Target does this, they pull this merchandise, then they face the backlash from the LGBT community. And that provoked, and again, these are also dubious claims. Um, you know, I, I take all of these with a few bags of salt. Uh, but so there's been these reports now from various Target stores of bomb threats. And these bomb threats are from people uh, claiming to be part of the LGBT community who feel betrayed and abandoned. And so, as with oh. Bud Light before, Target's caught between the rock and the hard place as to 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 which constituency they're going to alienate the most. 
When I'm finding, uh, as as I was looking through, uh, looking into that as well with the uh, the alleged bomb threats, uh, which they're they're claiming that it, it was about nine threats claimed uh, from Utah and Ohio stores and, and elsewhere. But now I'm starting to see uh, several leftist groups, including a uh, a group of pretty closely befriended with Target, claiming. Uh, that it was right-wing groups that started the bomb threat hoax to make the LGBT community look bad. So, obviously. But, uh, and this is, uh, as I mentioned, this is the kind of the interesting part of, like, also hearing the the story from the left, like, how they're interpreting all of this. Like, uh, just real quick here before we move on from Target... Um, you know, I see one news, uh, one one news media put out an article saying that, well, here, here's uh, their loss of capital, which is actually now 14 billion as of today. Um, their loss of capital has nothing to do with the boycott. Uh, you know, one person or one journalist says, you know, uh, the covid boom is over. It's you know, it, it's valuation is just readjusting to the standard sales performance before 2020. Um, perhaps there's a tiny grain of truth, uh, you know, with the popularity of Amazon, especially where you can find pretty comparable lower price stuff. But uh, I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, you know, another story that the left is saying are that consumers are just cutting back on spending as a whole because of the weakening economy and inflation and so on, blah, blah, blah. So they don't want to just go and spend on excessive stuff. And that that argument should sound should also sound familiar because that's the same kind of stuff that, that uh, these are the same kind of excuses that Disney puts out, like uh, trying to make these excuses for say those three movies that all tanked last year, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like, Oh, people just aren't going to the movies as much. Oh, they, they underperform because there's a bunch of other, you know, recognizable uh, franchises or blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But two weeks ago, just before the boycott started, uh, CNBC and other media outlets, reported that target was topping its earning expectations mm-hmm. like despite uh, d- despite as people uh, consumers are watching their spending they were performing very well so it's now there's kind of a a you know trying to tread back those statements um, right so it's you just have you have to watch the how they excuse it how many they make these excuses cuz they're going to they keep recurring. And this is an important thing to think about, too, as we are Christians and we're looking at uh, the world around us and the culture and how we engage with this. We have to be very careful and pay a lot of attention to how the media frames and reports on things because the media just a lot of times they don't tell the truth. They're not interested in telling the truth. They're interested in pushing their particular agendas and angles. And you see that in times like this, basically, uh it's it's essentially verboten for mainstream media to attribute any bad consequence uh, to anything that their preferred groups, so LGBT and the various other intersectional groups. Uh, basically, yeah, nothing bad can be attributed to those groups. There always has to be an alternative explanation, and that's exactly what you see happening here. But uh, while we're looking at... The retail sector, we've got another one of those. Kohl's. So you're very quickly running out of places where you can buy clothing. If if JCPenney does it, then I'm I'm done. I've got nowhere else I can go. I just have to go <laughs> go I don't know. Make it <laughs> start make, making my own. Your own. 
Yeah. Uh, so Coles is a fascinating case. Uh, there were some photos that emerged, and I don't have them yet on this slide if you're watching on the video, but I'll, uh, they'll actually come up again later, and you will get to see them. But they actually had some Pride-themed merchandise, particularly for babies. Uh, they had onesies for babies that had the rainbows and the different kinds of people represented on them of the LGBT community. And this has led to uh, what seems to be a boycott of Kohl's also, at least... Uh, the last time I looked, they'd lost about 5% of their stock value and were going to continue to lose more. Um, there's really starting to be some some pushback and some uh, some galvanizing against this stuff. There's um, actually, a, and there's there's even a little bit more with this Coles thing. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it's one thing, you know, they're putting out these baby onesies and, and there are things like, you know, also, I love my mommies, I love my daddies. Uh, I mean, so it's not just like a rainbow on a shirt. It's it's like, you know, full blown like here it's coming out. But some of the mo but, but, but they, they have um, if you go onto their website, they actually have a pride page on that pride page there. there you'll see an image that says, uh, you know, love is our favorite color. And then it has the following statement. We are committed to supporting the voices of the LGBT alphabet community and celebrating the joy that comes from living authentically, not just this month, but all year long. And if you click on kind of some of their, their partners and, and sponsors, uh, one of them is called the fluid project spelled P H L U I D the fluid project an LGBT owned quote, gender free fashion brand who raises money for LGBT uh, initiatives like the LA LGBT center that was connected with a recent certain uh, Dodgers baseball team uh, pride drag event, uh, which if we had time, that would that one would have been an interesting one to just go into all on its own. But anyway, so they 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 they, they give to this. They, they're, they're partnered with the Fluid Project and it seems to be carrying some of their products. But the Fluid Project also goes and donates its uh, its money uh, oftentimes. Um uh, towards these kind of initiatives, but then Tar uh, Coles uh, uh, just put forward $100,000 to something called the Trevor Project. Uh, they've been giving donations to it since 2019 for a total of about $360,000. Again, doesn't sound like a lot, but here's what they do. The Trevor Project, uh, their mission is to present research to show uh, a purported link between religion and religious beliefs and high suicide rates among LGBT people. So religious people and mean religious ideologies uh, are responsible for the LGBT deaths. Um, In other words, overt yeah. anti-Christian propaganda. And actually, funny you go there, the left's reaction with the Coles boycott, uh, uh, I, I was reading a headline for one news uh a summary, actually, uh, for one, what this this one article from a news site uh, it says: dozens of LGBT blah, blah blah advocacy groups said that the boycott calls against businesses were blatantly organized by extremist groups. And what kind of extremist groups do you think that they were calling out? Evangelicals. Um, uh, so, so it's it, it, so now just any kind of opposition is extremism or organized by extremists, you know, rather than just a bunch of people that are totally sick of the woke agendas being pushed. Yeah. 
Anyways, go on. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, retail. Uh, but now we've got one, and, I mean, this one's probably going to hurt our listeners a bit. Because uh, this is how these things go. Chick-fil-A. The, uh, the oft-allegedly Christian restaurant company based out of Georgia that makes chicken sandwiches and chicken sandwich accessories. Um, they just, yeah, yeah. So they just hired a chief of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now this is another uh, situation where it might be important to talk about the framing of stories and media. Anytime you hear diversity, equity, and inclusion, almost without fail, Mm -hmm. what, what they're talking about, they're talking about intersectionality. They're talking about critical theory, uh, this confluence of oppressor and oppressed classes and seeing the world this way. And so much of corporate America, pretty much all of corporate America has bit, has dove into this, including now, uh, evangelicals favorite chicken sandwich place, Chick-fil-A. Uh, so, and this has led to calls for boycotts. This was, this happened just like yesterday. So hard to tell if anything's really going to happen here, but, uh, just another example of where this is going. And in fact, they had a statement on their website uh, making very clear that um, they would have no discrimination on, on all the things they don't discriminate on, but including sexual orientation and gender identity and things of that sort. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, if I remember right, a lot of the dive whatever the guy's title is, diversion and blah, 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 equality, inclusive, whatever they call it. You can also just call it DIE. The DIE. DIE, because you might get closer then to what's going on. The DEI alphabet. So that guy, I've seen things of like, you know, focuses on, um, yeah, basically on, on, uh, trying to, you know, Pardon me, I'm trying to think how to say this. The Black Lives Matter. Basically, he's he's doing a kind of a soft push on on endorsement of Black Lives Matter and you know anti racism kind of stuff. Uh, you know, women's rights. But yeah, that uh, you know those. Okay, though that those point those that kind of stuff's kind of like old news. But yeah, it's the the policies. Uh, it's actually a hiring dis- discrimination policy on hiring. That one's pretty sad. Um. This may be an instance, though, I think, too, on a picking, you know, picking a battle and seeing what they where it goes from here so far. Because uh, really, I mean, there is some truth to the line. You can't boycott everybody. You can't. And that's. Hmm? Well, I was going to say real quick with that, that that, that's exactly it. We're uh, who we are kind of, you know, you you kind of run out of stuff, uh, you know, of what to do, like. If you you're boycotting Target, you go to Walmart. Walmart's generally seen as conservative, but I mean, Walmart has a lot of Pride products in most of its locations, uh, especially in more metropolitan areas. Um, you know, they try to generally cater each store to uh, its demographic. Um, but I mean, yeah, they they have uh, they've even put out statements uh, just recently and, and affirming that they're you know that they uh, in response to this Target stuff that they're looking to put in, you know, safeguards and security measures, um, you know, for their staff, uh, if there's any backlash for carrying the pride products that they do. 
Yeah. So, so you, you know. Yeah. They're, they're less overt about it, but it's still there. Um, so all of this to say, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of these boycotts, they do seem, some of them, to be having some impact. Uh, they do at least have now uh, companies thinking and being a little more cautious about these kind of things. I've just noticed today, because today is June 1st, the uh, first day of Pride Month. I've been looking on social media and things like that. It seems like, in general, that corporations, because, you know, like last year, everybody it seemed, was like changing their logos to, you know, rainbow mm-hmm. logos and things like that. Uh, this year, as far as private businesses and corporations, the response seems to be a lot more muted. I think people are seeing what's happening to Bud Light. They're seeing what's happening to Target, and they're seeing these talks about other things, and they're realizing uh, it's just a little too poisonous to wade into these waters right now. That said... um. There's a lot of organizations that are still in with both feet. For one thing, government agencies. I saw several of those. Uh, just a few that came to mind. The <coughs> sorry, uh, the FBI. Uh, most federal agencies, you know, because the Democrat president is in office, they're all going to change their logos and stuff. Uh, nonprofits and non-governmental organizations. They're going to do this stuff still anyway because they rely on a donor base that's already sold out to this kind of stuff. Uh, they don't have to actually sell products to a wide section of the populace. So you see these nonprofits and NGOs. And just one example, uh, a rather disturbing example that I saw today Little League, as in Little League baseball and softball, um, they changed their logo to a rainbow logo and they posted a tweet saying we take pride in respecting individual differences and perspectives as an intentional part of our program and then uh, the picture is here everyone is included and plays the same game and then there's a little league logo based off of the lgbt pride flag now notably it has the the blue pink and white stripes at the bottom so including the trans pride part of the flag so um but remember, they're not targeting kids, and they're not trying to trans kids. Uh, you know, nobody's doing that. That never happens. That's right. Why are you conservatives so obsessed with the with the kids? You know, you guys are crazy pedophiles, apparently. Yeah. And that's been said once or twice. Yeah. So, all of this to say, looking at the business issues and business responses and all of that... Uh, there does seem to be some effect and some impact that can be had by Christians making more careful choices about where to spend their money. And in fact, I think we're kind of at a situation now in this country, you know, a lot of people think the way you change this thing is through politics, and that may not be such a good idea for things that we're going to get into here shortly. Uh, but it seems that actually making more careful choices about where and how to spend your money could be a greater force for change, at least in the short term, uh, than things like your voting and your political support. I mean, you see what's happened to Target and Bud Light, and now other companies are seeing that, and they're like, we don't want that. So they're kind of backing away a little. They're a little more careful about jumping into this with both feet. And one one thing is also uh, actually going a little bit in connection to, to what you're saying with Little League. I mean, there's it's one thing with, you know, with... Uh, 
it's one thing with consumers and retail. Um, but, you know, uh, it can be a little hard, I think, for people in trying to, you know, for them having to choose, well, okay, uh, you know, what about the sports realm now? You know, that's, uh, I think that does, you know, I mentioned just a certain incident with the LA Dodgers from the other week of, of depictions of, of uh, complete ridicule of, of uh, Catholics and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and in and, and, and connection also of, of religion in general. Uh, people are calling, you know, to boycott Dodgers, but how many conservatives really are going to give up uh, their baseball games? Yeah, you know, it would seem like the ones that the ones that would probably already have. Yeah, because this stuff's kind of already been occurring now for a couple of years, um, mm-hmm. even just with the Black Lives Matter stuff. But yeah, it's it's kind of a, a uh, you know how worth it is uh, the luxury of of uh, Major League Baseball for you here. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's becoming more and more widespread. Uh, but so it's 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 hitting the point being it's hitting multiple spheres. You're already seeing it in uh, obviously in economics, business economics. And we just mentioned, you know, say entertainment and in sports. We don't even have to touch the the film industry. But hmm. uh, what about the political realm or by extension, that kind of conservative realm. Yeah, because a lot of people, when they hear about these issues, their first instinct is, well, we'll just get the right people in office and we'll pass some laws and make some policies and and it'll all be better again. We can all go back to the way things used to be. Uh, well, got bad news for you, friends. Uh, oh, look, it's the... Guy who had a very realistic shot of being our president in 2016 ran a competitive second place run to Donald Trump, Ted Cruz. And what did Ted Cruz do that got him onto the Once For All Delivered podcast? Uh, he, He tweeted some stuff out the other day regarding the law that recently passed in Uganda. Now, if you uh, haven't been following, uh, Uganda just passed a law criminalizing homosexuality uh, just about every way they can, uh, even from promoting it uh, on up to what are called aggravated homosexuality, which is acts of, uh, you know, uh, pedophilia. Yeah, pedophilia and rape and things of the sort, uh, which the penalties for that go as high as the death penalty. Uh, other forms carry lesser penalties, but essentially criminalizing and attaching steep criminal penalties uh, to any and all uh, homosexual acts and even homosexual promotion. Uh, so very much an anti-American bill, and it has provoked the usual outrage from the American left. But here's Ted Cruz, major figure on the American right, and he says, This Uganda law is horrific and wrong. Any law criminalizing homosexuality or imposing the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality, which again, remember, we're talking things like rape of children and the disabled, is grotesque and an abomination. All civilized nations to join together in condemning this human rights abuse, hashtag LGBTQ, and there he quotes a headline from the New York Times about this law. Uh, later on, oh, he was. On there. Wait, wait, oh, wait. Just, 
I want to just restate that for a second, that last little bit of the tweet. What did he hashtag? LGBTQ. So just just take note of that. That's I mean it's that's uh that's a that's something. Also I yeah. had a laugh I was laughing a little bit when he said what what did he do to get him on the once for all delivered podcast? I just yeah. think what a what a high accolade. Yeah. <laughs> you did it, Ted. You did it. We need we need a we need an air horn or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> later on, they was having some back and forth with some people because, as you might expect, this tweet uh, provoked some blowback among conservatives. And he made a tweet. He quote tweeted Jenna Ellis. He said, Jenna, not sure why you're defending this barbaric Ugandan law. It imposes life imprisonment for consenting adults who engage in gay sex. That's ridiculous. You or I may not agree with their choices, but consenting adults should not go to jail for what they do in their own bedrooms. So, there you go. Me, Ted Ted Cruz. Well, let me read a passage. Maybe we, we, we should not necessarily... We won't necessarily, I suppose, uh, go into the particular of whether or not the... Uh, Capital punishment for homosexuality is, uh, is say a, you know the 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 necessary implication here, but we we want to just just two uh, I want to read something and just make a fast note. Uh, we had said in Romans one, we, now we we all know what what example that Paul used in talking about the. Uh, unrighteousness and ungodliness and even idolatry of man and what prime uh, supreme example at least he uses here of how God gave them up to their passions uh, okay that was it's, he's clearly speaking of homosexuality uh, he, you know he goes on and he speaks about it in verses 28 to uh, you know to the first half of 30 uh, sorry to, to 30 pardon me I can't speak tonight verses 28 to um, 31, he lists, you know, other gross sins, uh, just kind of really hitting everything as a whole, uh, from unrighteousness to, you know, gossip to slandering and ventures of evil, disobedience to parents, and even, even disobedience to parents. He says in verse 32, though they, the ungodly and unrighteous as a whole, which is really everyone without Christ, Though they know God's righteous degree, that those who practice such things deserve to die. So there is that. There is yep. Paul stating a deserving to die. Now, is this a, a this physical or spiritual death? But this is this is a, in the least stating yes. Everyone that practices all these things, from disobedience to parents uh, to gossip. All the way to homosexual acts deserve to die. It's physical yeah. and spiritual, but we do do take note of. I mean, we, we do have to ask the question though. I was going to say the follow up fast, uh, really fast, and actually get your thought on it too. Is uh, this doesn't speak about the manner in which that physical death is uh, uh, comes and we're speaking about here a legit. Uh, it is a legitimate law that was not just put forward by the government but also uh from what i've been reading endorsed by 
the citizenry at large in Uganda yeah. uh, that this this is the law. Now, when we know certain groups, uh, the two kingdoms groups and whatever, let's just say it, um, when they say, you know, um, hey, you know, abide by the law, if you want to see change or whatever, then, then you know, then do it individually or, or in the civil sense. Well, here you have a civil government that's saying uh, this is the law of the land now. Mm-hmm. A death for what they say as a sin and unnatural act. Yep. So consistency would demand, okay, this is the law of the land. This is what we have to roll with. Um, but another point, because uh, I'm not a theonomist. I've been accused of being a theonomist a lot this week because I had that discussion I had about Meredith Quine. Um, but I'm not a see theonomist. Our, see our episode on theonomy. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> which the theonomist didn't like, so... So they're not cool with me That's either. Okay. To anybody who's wondering, um, <laughs> I think our I think we do we, we do have those. Oh, I mean, you know, we yeah. we could get we get along, but 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 they uh, they uh, they uh, don't agree with me on these kind of issues. But and but I mean, okay. it yeah. it is not insignificant that in the legal system that God provided for the body politic of Israel in the Old Testament, the punishment for homosexual activity was death. So if you're going to charge that the death penalty for homosexuality uh, is unjust, that would mean you were charging God with injustice. And that's a problem. So, you know, am I going to say we have to do this? No. But would it be unjust to do this? No, it wouldn't. Right. Um, that, that's actually, I think that's a really great way to put that distinction there. Um it's not something that it necessarily has to be pushed for in our perspective as a whole. And yet it isn't something that is say contrary to, uh, to requirements in God's law. The, yeah. um, but, uh, but I was going to ask, uh, also a thought here too. And, um, uh, the, this is a, this is another thing with, um, America's kind of, uh, constant felt need or desire or whatever to in uh to to get itself involved with the affairs of every single country um uganda has made their own law and, and biden and, and others uh, even others in the un it's not just america uh are are calling this a human rights violation and i believe i mean and the president of uganda you know made a great point in saying well we do not see this as a basic human right. Yeah. This is not something that is of nature. And we even spoke of, uh, again, Paul saying that these acts are contrary to nature. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another thing, too, is anytime you hear this talk of, of human rights, uh, of universal and basic human rights, basically, if you want to affirm that such a thing exists... I said this on Twitter. I was reacting to something. I don't remember what, but it was pertaining, I think, to this Uganda law. If universal human rights exist, they either have to be grounded in one of two things. They are given by God, and thus they are subject to the moral law. They're subject to God's absolute moral revelation, which homosexuality is not a part of that. It is something prohibited in God's moral revelation. Or... If it's they're not rooted in God and they're not rooted in his creation, 
then they are simply a function of social contract. They're simply a function of what people and governments determine for themselves. And so then if Uganda self-determines that this is not a basic human right that has to be honored, that has to be respected. Either way, there's there's no logically consistent uh, or theologically consistent or in any way consistent argument to make for universal human rights that would make homosexuality a universal and basic human right. And to that very point, uh, you know, you think of, you, you could think of Paul uh, in Athens, you know, on Mars Hill, uh, you know, he, he, he very, he states, um, you know, that, uh, God made, uh, so sorry, he says, God does not live in temple made by, uh, human hands, uh, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allowed uh, allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God. Uh, so this is, this is the statement in him. We live and move and have our being. Uh, so, I mean, even, even the way that Paul speaks of it and uh, I mean, scripture as, as a whole speaks of these things as uh, not rights for man, but uh, mercies of God, a, a, a gift from God. Uh, so life is not a, basic right per se um in a civil sense we do want to protect uh we, we do want to generally protect the integrity of uh of a life um, but we do that recognizing that god is sovereign over life not us right and it's and it's that he puts the he puts the sword in the hand of the uh of the uh government of the magistrates to punish evil Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, which the very is, fact that it's a sword tells you the extent to which it can and often needs to go. Right, and it's it's a punishment for particular evils in the curbing of wickedness, uh, so that it would not run rampant in society. That there would be order and some semblance of justice of which God is overseeing. Uh, so I mean, it, it's a promotion of things that are, in a broad sense, uh, good. But this 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 meaning though. God is the giver of life, movement, and sustainer. Um, it's in, you know, and so he entrusts at least the civil magistrate their duties. In this sense, yep. uh, yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, you know, against Uganda, you know, yeah, well, who, you know, who says you can do this? Right. And, and others on the, just a fast note on, on the flip side where you have people say, yeah, if, uh, you know, uh, if, Nero or someone puts a, uh, you know, uh, a, you know, if Nero makes uh, uh, the murder uh, um, uh, of, of Christians uh, legal, uh, then, you know, we should abide by uh, by Nero's law, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not that anybody's ever done that. Oh. Anyway, yeah. we've beat That's up on topic. We've beat up on, although we've done that topic before, so. Yeah. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, we beat up on poor poor Ted enough. Uh, but there's been more uh, ostensibly conservative figures that have also compromised on this. Uh, There's another interesting one. Uh, Philip Klein is an editor of National Review, NRO. Uh, National Review, the publication of the 
uh, American conservative uh, thinker William F. Buckley Jr., but is now these days been known for uh, sliding ever more cozy and comfortable towards the left. That's, for instance, where David French got his big start um, and others that have followed a similar trajectory. Um, but so Philip Klein, editor of National Review, and if you're watching on the video, this is where you get to see the Coles onesies and things of that sort. Uh, but he, he quote tweeted uh, someone who was tweeting these pictures of the onesies, and he says, I don't have a problem with this. If someone wants to dress their baby in a pride onesie, why should it matter? We're not talking about transitioning minors here. It's just a shirt. Again, editor of a major conservative, ostensibly publication. Um, I actually interacted with this tweet some. I replied that, well, yes, this is transitioning kids uh, because, you you know, the process of transitioning starts by introducing them to the thing, saying that it exists and that it's benign, uh, that it's acceptable enough that you can just wear it on a T-shirt. Because once you do that, I mean, I can't flesh out all this much in the tweet because it's a tweet, but once you start doing that, you start normalizing it in their minds and making them think, even from a young age, oh, this is a thing and it's around and it's okay. Um, you know, the road to transition has to start somewhere. Let's just remind the slippery slope uh, uh, warning uh, some, what, 15 years ago here in the United States yeah. uh, when, when we were first... Uh, presented with a bill to legalize, uh, you know, gay marriage and, and stuff. Um, you know, the, 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 the left were, were critiquing, uh, were critiquing conservatives and whatever, uh, about saying, you know, oh, you know, if, oh, you know, we just, we don't have any agenda. You know, it's, uh, you guys are worried that, uh, if you legalize homosexuality, you know, it's only going to be a matter of time before, you know, uh, before pushing transgenderism on people or, you know, incest, bestiality, whatever, you know, that's not going to happen. We just want to have the same basic rights as, as everyone else, you know, uh, you know, like tax laws and stuff. Uh, I know we hospital visits. Yeah. That was a big one. <laughs> it's, uh, it's ever the slippery slope. I mean, I, I can't remember if we've talked about it before where you already have, uh, you know, people advocating incest and pedophilia. Uh, uh, what is it? My, my minority attracted peoples. I forget what they're calling pedophiles now, but anyways, yeah. just a little note on there. You, it's, it's just normalization. Yeah. So who else we got? We have, uh, uh, we have someone that was a former president. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you know, you might've heard us picking on poor Ted and you're thinking, well, it's okay. Cause Trump won. But then, uh, Donald Trump, um, don't know if he's doing it this time around, but in the past, uh, in his previous campaigns, he had LGBT-themed campaign merchandise with the rainbows and all that stuff on it. Uh, Trump has uh, done a lot to, to court a particular voter segment that uh, is <laughs> homosexual or other things, but ostensibly conservative. So, yeah, Donald Trump. Same issue. Uh, well, it's okay, because now Ron DeSantis is running, right? Well, we have a video for you. This is if awkward. If technology permits it. That everyone's running around, DeSantis hates gays, blah, blah. 
I happen to be gay. I am married to a dude. Okay. We're having kids. You know what? It showed up at my door two days ago. A package with two, we're having two babies, with two baby onesies from Ron DeSantis Get and his wife. Here. Okay. He does not hate gay people. At this PragerU event that I mentioned before, I introduced, I said, uh, Governor, this is my husband, David. Big hug, smile, took a picture. Congratulations on the yeah. kid. This has nothing to do with an assault on gay rights. If DeSantis was saying gay people can't get married, gay people can't work, whatever the litany of stupidity that these people think, of course I would be against it. There's nothing I stand for. Okay. So, so who was, was that? Yeah, who was that? That was Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin is a conservative, ostensibly pundit, who has a show on The Blaze, which is an ostensibly conservative media platform. I'm not saying everybody on The Blaze is bad or compromised or whatever, but does really make you wonder. So, uh, Dave Rubin is a homosexual. He is married to a man, and they have now had a couple of children Via surrogacy, which surrogacy is its own other house of horrors that maybe we get into another time. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, in his gay marriage, and they now have these children, and apparently uh, Ron DeSantis and his wife sent him a congratulatory gift. Uh, and, you know, when you do stuff like that, it is a certain tacit endorsement of the thing that being in a gay marriage and... Uh, having having he said having but having children within that gay marriage is an acceptable thing so so if you think that while well, you're voting for ron DeSantis will save you from this you might also be a little disappointed and just a fast up i mean so this this was this was the one that i did not know and i actually i had quite a lot of trouble when andrew when andrew uh put it out on the show notes you know i uh uh, I had I had a lot of trouble finding the uh, anything about this at all. I mean, there's there's basically like no news articles whatsoever. As much as I sifted and searched, yeah, the um, video is actually a few months old. Um, that's part of the issue. It's resurfaced now uh, with DeSantis now declaring his candidacy for president, and Ruben is still. Uh, very much promoting DeSantis, and DeSantis still has demonstrated that he likes being promoted by Ruben. Uh, so that's definitely a thing. Um, yeah, it's a I, uh, that was a shock. That, that was a shocker. I mean, that was that was the one that I have absolutely no clue here, and it's it's uh, uh, just just foreshadowing something we'll, we'll bring up uh, in a little bit. Um, this can tie in a little bit of okay, well. You know what? Maybe he's just being nice to the person. Uh, you know, maybe he's just being nice to Ruben. It's a courtesy. You know, give him one, give them onesies. Uh, you know, hate the sin, uh, not the sinner, or whatever. Uh, we'll come back to that with certain Christian sentiments in a little bit here. But uh, speaking of, uh, so so speaking of big figures now, not not as not as uh, perhaps large as uh, president candidates or or. Or even former presidents, uh, but now, what about Daily Wire? What do we yeah. have for Daily Wire? Because we already threw the blaze under the bus. Is this supposed to be conservative platform? Uh, but the, so you think I'm going to cancel the blaze and I'm going to go sign up for Daily Wire? Well, here we have uh, Jeremy Boring, 
the CEO of Daily Wire. He styles himself as the God King of Daily Wire, which is super obnoxious and also blasphemous. Um, but uh, so there's this tweet, and it involves the Chosen, which is a another another house of horrors we could get into another time. We keep doing that, but uh, I'm saying that because there's we, uh, so much time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we don't like The Chosen. It's bad. You shouldn't watch it. We haven't watched it, and we still think it's bad, and maybe we'll, well go actually, into that I have, another time. I have a time. note after what you say here about about Boring. I have a fast note because it relates to it. Yeah, uh, so Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy Boring, CEO of The Daily Wire, throws his own writer under the bus... Uh, who pointed out that somebody on the set of The Chosen, this ostensibly Christian show, even though it's a Mormon show and it's a giant Second Commandment violation uh, that no one should watch. Did we mention no one should watch it? Um, But there was a pride flag there. And one of the Daily Wire's reporters reported on it, and Jeremy Boring threw him under the bus, said, this is a disgusting piece, and I'm sorry we ran it. And then he goes on to say, a show like The Chosen has 100-plus employees. One of them brought a pride flag to work. That sucks, but it's hardly the fault of the show. Uh, he goes on to add some other things as well, but you get the gist. And uh, just a fast note there with uh, with this. The, the Chosen's actual Twitter account, because at first there was kind of a question of like, all right, well, no one knows who brought it on the set uh you know do, and they actually just you know they were just bringing it on there so it's not an actual direct endorsement but they never really said anything about it well the chosen the chosen's twitter account uh made a, actually did make a uh a statement saying just like with our hundreds of casting crew who have different beliefs or no belief at all then uh we will work with anyone on our show who helps um so that's one thing just just on, on on the chosen itself but what was interesting i thought about the piece did we mention in, no one should watch it well th- that that's 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 exactly what, <laughs> that's exactly it the piece itself uh i don't know if you, you you got a chance to skim through it at all but uh the piece that jer that the jeremy boring is is against it actually included a denunciation of the show's second commandment violations and stating that it was, it degraded the sufficiency of scripture and that people should not be going to the show for what scripture supplies and supplies better. So I'm just saying, so, so this is, that's in addition to this whole thing that the article said also what has needed to be said for a long time in a larger yep. media um, posting. And then here's the CEO trashing it. By the way, in another response of another reply, Jeremy Boring said that he was a Bible preacher. He himself was. So I'm not sure how how much credibility I give that claim, but but uh, whatever. So speaking of Bible, what about speaking, the church? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, one last note on the Daily Wire, uh, just to throw them a little further under the bus. Um, so there actually today there was a big uh, a big uh, dust up on Twitter regarding uh, they plan to screen the What Is a Woman documentary for free on Twitter tonight, um, which I think the documentary it's actually I mean it's it's edgy, but I think it's actually generally worth people's time if they if they have the ability to see it. 
Um, but anyway, so they raised a lot of uh, trouble on Twitter today, did the Daily Wire, because uh, Twitter initially decided they weren't going to allow the movie to be shown uh, unedited, or they were going to throttle the traffic on it. Um, and so the Daily Wire pushed back, and eventually Elon Musk himself uh, found out about it, said, no, they can show it, and I don't know if it went on or not. Uh, but so, yeah, you have, on one hand, the Daily Wire sort of setting themselves up as this brand that is this, they're fighting the LGBT stuff, but you see there's clearly limits to uh, their willingness to push back. And actually, uh, uh, there are some uh, homosexual employees and such at Daily Wire. Uh, one of them, I don't remember his name, but he is the husband, husband in square code, scare quotes, of Spencer Clavin, who is the son of Andrew Clavin, who's one of the Daily Wire's hosts. So, you know, kind of have this web together of uh, uh, of these sorts of things. So, again, you just you have mainstream conservatism, a lot of it, and even things like Blaze and Daily Wire that would seem a little more non-mainstream and a little edgier conservatism, and yet all still uh, having varying degrees of compromise with these things. Okay, now we'll get to the church. Well, actually, uh, maybe this will disappoint some of you, but we have a lot less stuff on the church. I guess it means at least there's yes. less overt compromise and such going on in the church. Uh, but at this is one that we're focusing on. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's only so much time in the day to to comb for this stuff but uh so here's one uh, the southern baptist convention annual meeting is coming up very soon and it's expected to be a very uh controversial and divided meeting there's issues particularly regarding the women's ordination issue uh with rick warren and things of the like um and so it's going to be a rather contentious event the southern baptist annual meeting but around the annual meeting uh, they have this pastor wives and women's conference and one of the speakers is rachel gilson now rachel gilson is a frequent contributor for the gospel coalition and other publications um has been on there for quite a while uh, but she has uh, some rather unorthodox views regarding homosexuality she's been an advocate of side b uh, Chris say, side B gay Christianity and even things beyond that and here she is the headlining speaker at the Southern Baptist Convention's Pastors Wives and Women's Conference uh, so you start to see these things and they're well, creeping the, into the church as well and the nature of, of her work if you want to call it that and her, her, her writings are uh, you know she she was a a lesbian and then i guess uh you know came out of that or whatever got married but you know now she goes in uh she, she wanted to give better and more modern answers and help to people who profess uh christianity and are lgbt and uh, like say she came across someone that uh you know is uh be converted to being a Christian and uh, is in a, you know, gay relationship and she wanted to know, well, what do I do? You know, do I divorce or uh, my, my partner or, or what? Because my partner's not a, you know, believer, blah, 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 blah. And basically she, she, you know, she, she her, her, her ultimate uh, answer is uh, no, stay married because God hates divorce. God is more interested in the, in the marriage itself. Um, giving a, a just a really tiny 
you know, summary of it, putting it a little more simplistic than how she argues for it. But she she says it's better in remaining in the marriage than uh, in a gay marriage than divorcing. Yeah. So, you know, again, we're talking not orthodox views of marriage, of sexuality, and yeah, headlining the Southern Baptist Convention, which is supposed to be this uh, arch-conservative <laughs> evangelical denomination and is the biggest denomination probably in the world now. It's certainly, I think it's the very least the biggest uh, Christian denomination in America. And yep, headlining their women's conference. Now, also I mentioned she's associated with TGC and TGC's had varying degrees of compromise with this for a long time. Uh, but they have another prominent figure, Rebecca McLaughlin, who's another one. She's a woman, uh, claimed to be same-sex attracted, but is now married to a man. Uh, so it seems like it may be a, a fast track to success in that organization is to have that kind of background. I'm um, actually our friends on the Restless podcast. They just did a review of one of the good faith debates that Rebecca McLaughlin did uh, regarding woke church. Um, their review, uh, the debate itself is not so worthwhile, but uh, uh, Matt and, and Michael's review of it, I think, is worth your time talking about woke issues more generally. Uh, so there we got a plug in for you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so there's one example in the church. And then just as far as developments in the church more broadly, uh, I mentioned the SBC's annual meeting is this month. It's going to be contentious, having a lot to do with issues of sexuality and the like. And then, of course, uh, the PCA General Assembly is coming up again. And there's still the the struggles and the issues the PCA is facing and the continued fallout from Revoice. Uh, Greg Johnson and Memorial Presbyterian are gone now, uh, but that doesn't mean that the influence or the issues surrounding it are. There's going to be several more overtures attempting to address that issue. It's been a difficult road for a lot of the overtures that the PCA has passed to actually get through the presbyteries and get enacted in the BCO. But uh, we're going to have another round of that. And this is all going to happen during the month of June, during this month where the society and the culture is applying the most pressure, uh, not just to the church, but to all of society to embrace and to celebrate or to compromise on these things. Yes. So I was writing some notes there uh, for this next section here that uh, we need to start moving a little bit towards the, uh, the close here. Um, so overall, there's this, you know, this, this, what, what's, what's concerning is, uh, when people put forward the myth of neutrality, whether a Christian, pol uh, a politician, uh, media, whatever, uh, you know, that, that, that we can simply, uh, even though we have disagreements, um, you know, on the political spectrum, the religious spectrum, whatever, uh, you know, we can, we can generally play nice and get along perhaps in, Perhaps if there was different uh, conditions or a different history in our uh, in our country, um, you know, let me just say there's an element of uh, where where we might have been able to get along in this country with uh, left with the left for a time, but as the the big issue um, some 15 years ago with homosexuality started rising up, and then the wholesale endorsement to homosexuality and transgenderism since uh, 
our Supreme Court passed the law for gay marriage, it's been a very, very, very fast dividing line. Um, there's, there's, we can go into the various factors for which uh, brought those out, but uh, at another time. <laughs> the, the, the matter is, the matter is, is that, um, you know, let me, let me actually put out this scripture verse. Um, I'm actually preaching on this, this uh, coming, uh, this coming Lord's Day with the installation of, uh, of uh, new council members, uh, deacons and elders. Um, but in Joshua 24, uh, I won't give you the whole sermon here. I'm just going to read uh, two verses. He's going to give you the whole sermon. You wanted it to go half an, an hour and a half, right? Um, so we're already at an hour and thirteen. So that we can make it. Joshua twenty-four, verse fourteen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, in those two verses, Joshua uses the word for serve seven times. And already whenever scripture repeats a single word in a short amount of time or in a passage, it wants you to pay attention to, to, to repeat something seven times. Joshua, uh, Joshua in, is telling the people, I mean, here's the line. Where are you going to stand? Well, the people keep going and insisting that, you know, that they'll serve the Lord, they'll serve the Lord. And Joshua gives them warning saying, uh, you know, are you sure about that? But basically, it, it, Joshua then puts the challenge to them a second time and he doesn't give them the option. He doesn't give them a choice of which side of the line to stand on. He tells the people flat out, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. Ultimately, the implication is none of us are going to be able to serve the Lord. None of us are going to choose which side of this dividing line without the Holy Spirit to guide us without submission to Christ, without the grace of the Father. This is to say, even just taking out the, the political element, the sociocultural elements here, aspects, which we easily can go into, the point is there, there is a myth of neutrality on the basis of God's call upon us, upon Scripture. Choose you this day is... You know, where are we going to, uh, where are we going to bend the knee? Should we bend the knee to, or who are we going to bend the knee to? Where are we going to give our time, our thought, our money over? How do we use this life? Where do we draw lines? Where do we make moral judgments to decide what is right and wrong? What is acceptable? What is unacceptable? Um, I think what we've shown in providing all these various examples from these various places, and we did pay a particular emphasis. I mean, we could we could have shown stuff from the left. We could have shown stuff from the mainline churches, you know, the usual suspects and showing you all the 
the the wickedness and evil around them. But we paid a particular emphasis on uh, a lot of the places where people do turn and a lot of the places they might even expect to be sound and reliable and, and to have made these decisions rightly are in fact trying to walk the fence. They're trying to be neutral. They're trying to 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 draw to draw the lines in places where God has not done so. And, uh, you know, if you think you're neutral, you're actually compromised. You're, you're, you're probably, uh, either on or on your way to the wrong side. Um, this is, this is just the, the matter of like, yeah, we're, we, you know, we're not just a, a, uh, you know, cultural commentary, you know, podcast, you know, we're not, we're not preachers of culture in the pulpit. Right. You know, this is, this is, this is the matter, right? You know, we, we talk about these cultural examples. Yes. To, for information, uh, this isn't us telling you, Hey, go and boycott Chick-fil-A. You know, that's the answer. Like that, that's not necessarily yeah. what, we're, what we're doing here. You know, uh, frankly, I, I could care less who you, who you, you know, who you're boycotting, uh, right. or whatever our interest, um, if not to speak for Andrew, but our interest, I believe, is, I mean, you know, is, is simply uh, the Lord is the Lord, the mm-hmm. King of Kings. God is God, and uh, no politician's going to save us. Right. And but also, too, you know, we need to look at these things and think about them as Christians. And, and how are we going to live faithfully? How are we going to love and serve God and our neighbor in a world that is like this? Um, because we look at these issues, sorry, but I mean, we look at these issues, we look at the LGBT movement, we look at the LGBT group of sins and they're not just things, you know, this has been the lie we've, we've seen over and over and over again. I mean, it was back in that Ted Cruz tweet, whatever consenting adults do, uh, by themselves in their bedrooms, whatever is nobody else's business. Nobody should care. But if we look at the Bible and how it talks about these kinds of things, they're not just it radically individualized acts that affect individuals. They're corrupting to society. Uh, they, uh, we read in Romans one, we see it, um, you know, not just in the Old Testament, although we're going to talk about the Old Testament, uh, but we see it in the New Testament too. How uh, this this broader problem of suppression of the truth and unrighteousness this failing to glorify God and give him thanks produces these kinds of things. And these kinds of things, these sins, they're corrupting to the whole society. They are corrupting to the whole culture. And they call down the wrath of God upon nations and cities. I know it's very unpopular now to have any kind of discussion to say that God still deals in nations, works in nations, you know, I mentioned I've, you know, been doing some stuff about Meredith Quine, and one of the ideas that he's really helped to push is that God no longer deals with nations in any meaningful way with his intrusion ethics and the like. Um, but I really don't think biblically you can get away from this idea of God dealing with nations. I mean, you could say, well, there's no nation like Israel that's a you know particular theocratic nation. Okay, fine, but. God dealt with the Gentile nations too, and he would judge them and he would punish them for their sins. See, where I'm going to be preaching the next few weeks, and I didn't plan this, but I'm going to be in Genesis 18 and 19, uh, looking at Sodom and Gomorrah. And you see very much that their sins, their sodomy, hence the name, their 
uh, overt and open and dare we say prideful practice of homosexuality called down the wrath of God to destroy their cities. Um, and, you know, as we we talked about earlier, uh, it wasn't that God was unjust to do this. Um, it, it wasn't that uh, they didn't deserve it. And we can look at our nation and we can see a lot of the same things. And we ought to be at least a little and maybe more than a little nervous about when we look at things in Scripture, the things that look most like our nation and our society and the things in which we live. And also, we could say, well, it's okay because we have lots of Christians and we have our Christian community. But you could even look, you know, I'm talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. A very similar thing happened in the people of God. In the book of Judges 19 and 20, the tribe of the Benjaminites, they were supposed to be part of God's people, and they basically remade Sodom and Gomorrah in the visible people of God, and had to they underwent a similar punishment and destruction. They were almost completely wiped out in war because of it. Um, another issue that we need to think about, because this comes up a lot as we deal with these things, is a lot of people... Because these is our culture's pervasive sins, and it's connected to the power and the influence and remaining uh, regarded as a good person in society, there's attempts to try to softball the issue. There's attempts to equivocate, to say things like, well, yeah, homosexuality is bad, but I mean, you know, so is all our other sins, our lust, our covetousness, our greed, our things of that sort, and... um. That's not biblical thinking. That's not uh, reformed thinking. Uh, question 83 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it asks, are all sins in themselves equally heinous? The answer is no. Some sins in themselves, by the nature of what they are, and then by means of several ag um, aggravations, are more heinous in the sight of God than others. And homosexuality is an aggravated sin because it is a sin against nature, is a sin against the created order. You can look at the larger catechism, questions 150 and 151. They flesh out what those several aggravations and things of the like are, and one of them is sins against nature are particularly egregious. Um, it's not okay to equivocate and softball these sins away just because the world likes them and the world will like you more if you do that. Well, because you mentioned the uh, the Westminster, uh, you know that I have to now add with the uh, with the Heidelberg, which is uh, fairly similar in this. You know, uh, Lord's Day forty one question answer one hundred eight and one hundred nine. What does the seventh commandment teach us? Well, that all unchastity is accursed of God, and that we must therefore detest it from the heart and live a chaste and continent life, both within and outside of holy wedlock. In 109, does God in this commandment forbid nothing more than adultery and such like gross sins? Well, since our body and soul are both temples of the Holy Spirit, it is his will that we keep both pure and holy. Wherefore, he forbids all unchaste actions, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever may entice, or in other translations you say incite, one thereto. So the, the I, I like the, you know, if you look at the, 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 the scripture citations that the uh, Heidelberg uses here in question answer 108, it talks about all unchastity is accursed of God. It cites Leviticus 18, 28, 
uh, I'm not going to read you all the all the citations it gives, but just a couple note here: Leviticus 18, uh, 28, and then uh, actually others will say 30. Uh, lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. Remember, this this is this is uh, the Heidelberg making its references here. But uh, so this is New Testament Christianity. This is Reformed Christianity. Keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you and never to make yourselves unclean by them, those abominable practices. Uh, And chapter 18 of Leviticus is particularly on sexual immorality. Um, A couple chapters later in the Holiness Code, which explicates uh, more of more of these uh, uh, the maintaining a life uh, that is consecrated to the Lord. Um, so in other words, obedience and gratitude. Um, that's where chapter 20 talks about uh, the chapter 20 uh, is what gives the uh, indictments against homosexuality as a whole. Uh, and it puts it in the same league as all other kinds of sin, uh, of lust, uh, calling them complete, like, perversions. Um, so there's an element where, yes, like, uh, lust is, is in a sense, a broader category of sins, but homosexuality does end up taking a pretty, a pretty heightened place of a core example of what is gross to the Lord, again, from Romans 1. Uh, likewise, the Catechism cites uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, and 19. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, and 19 is what reads, uh, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But listen to this. So he, he, he cites all other sins are those which is committed outside the body, ultimately, in their effects. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? In other words, just that we are supposed to be consecrated to the Lord. Uh, and the reason Paul gives is that you are not your own. Um, now, he, he's speaking particularly to those redeemed in Christ in this instance, but nonetheless, what is true is that we are, uh, and what Paul talks about in Romans 1, is that we all ultimately have belonged to the Lord as creatures, and we do not honor him as his creatures. We do not honor the creator or even thank him. Um, we act in unrighteousness and ungodliness. But what is most what we have here with with sin, uh, pardon me. What we have here with 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 Pride Month is think on that name, Pride Month, in connection to LGBT. It is unabashed celebration of sin. And what was it that the Heidelberg Catechism said? It's not just adultery and just in general the gross sins, but it says God forbids all unchaste actions. All unchaste actions, and this includes whatever may entice someone to sin. The Pride Month is an unba- is a celebration of sexual immorality, and it perpetuates that sin among LGBT people 
and it incites its endorsement in society and such as what is particularly done with those babies uh, with those baby onesies yeah or even if you just ever see any of the events or anything tied to this you know you ever go to a and you shouldn't unless you're maybe going to evangelize or something and you've got pretty thick skin um you know if you go to one of these pride events or even just see the pictures of them or whatever you know that's what you see too it's this celebration but it's also incitement or why has there been all these efforts to uh, target the public schools with you know these books that are i mean graphic and pornographic uh and encouraging children towards lgbt and all that it's uh, there's very much a culture of incitement uh, within the LGBT movement as we see it in this culture. My uh, one of my nephews, he was so he, he's uh, he was 10 years old just a couple months ago. He was uh, before at a uh, you know private uh, Roman Catholic school, um, and for whatever matters you know for certain for certain uh, matters he. he him and his brother had to transfer and they ended up in a public school. And within, you know, just one or two days, he met within at least that first week, he met, you know, uh, another like, you know, nine year old, whatever, or sorry, 10 year old boy uh, that wears dresses and thinks he's a girl, you know? So, I mean, that was his day one in transferring in. And he was just kind of like, uh, what? Uh, so, I mean, like, it's it it's being normalized to such an extent you can't run away from it. Yeah, but because it's so normalized, there's such extreme pressure to compromise, and we see this compromise all over. We've looked at a lot of cases of it, and this is the difficulty for Christians, uh, and it's some it's something that can be very hard to navigate, and it's even getting more and more costly to navigate, because at the end of the day. If you want to be a Christian and if you want to be faithful to God's word, there is no acceptable threshold of, of how much of this stuff you can be okay with. Like, you know, you see varying degrees, like some say uh, LGB without the T, because there's been a lot of pushback against transgenderism, and you even have like, oh, the group gays against groomers. Uh, they're homosexuals, but they're against these uh, efforts that target children. And a lot Some of moral. like a lot of conservatives and even Christians, they they, you know, like these things and, and try to, you know, ally with them and befriend them. But at the end of the day, it's like it's really an all or nothing proposition. Again, there this neutrality is a myth. Uh, you're either in it or you're out. Um you either believe in God's moral law and you believe in his created order, you believe in his design for male and female and marriage and sexuality, and all of it comes together and it is all a package deal and you can't clip some parts out of it and just keep the parts you want, or you don't. It's really that simple. It's not fun especially in a world where this is the pervasive sins of the culture and the things they really want to promote and push uh, but that's the situation you either you either you either believe that or you don't and uh, we're also facing a situation i mean in the past at least for the sake of like evangelism and you know just general human civility and stuff you know how do you treat 
uh, your coworkers, you know, if you have friends uh, that are this way. But increasingly, you know, LGBT people, they will not accept anything from others less than absolute acceptance and celebration. And this makes evangelism and attempts at bridge building, attempts to reach them with the gospel, or even just attempts to like have normal human interactions. It just makes it all the more difficult. In a lot of ways, they hate Christians and they're conditioned to hate Christians, at least of the biblical kind, because everything in their movement is pressing them to. Uh, Caleb mentioned earlier the Trevor Project and their work, which is essentially anti-Christian propaganda in the interest of transing the kids. Um, they started from an early age to not only be this thing, but to know that, that Christians are the bad people. And you can't even be around them and talk to them. And so this is a difficulty uh, that we have to face as Christians living in this world, and especially during Pride Month, as this is going to be forced upon us from every turn. You know, we do care about evangelism, uh, but we also need to avoid compromising ourselves, and it's getting ever harder to do. And we need to protect ourselves and those around us and our churches from corrupting influence. Uh, because so much of this movement has been subsumed in activism, and it's it's it really has become a religion in its own right that needs to proselytize and needs to get converts mm -hmm. and needs to bring other people in. Uh, this really, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, uh, we're Christians and then we're after these people that they're just confused or deceived or whatever. No, they are they are their own religion and this basically is a clash between two religions two fundamentally different worldviews and again there can't be neutrality you're one there's or you're the a, other there's uh yeah i mean in fact i mean i i i, I you know omitted a large <laughs> i omitted quite a bit of articles believe it or not that i wanted to appeal to um for time oh yeah i did too i statement yeah <laughs> Uh, one of the big themes, actually, from a couple of them that I pulled, was that the the left, uh, the, the these these let's just call it the, the secularists, these humanists, are very aware that there is no neutrality, and they they you know they're they're they look at these boycotts and they're saying, well, these are good things. We we ultimately want these you know these conservative and orthodox blah 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 and these evangelicals to you know. To not touch these places, you know, to not touch these, uh, you know, these corporations and societies. We want them to be, uh, basically, we want them to be separated. We want them to be institutionalized. We want these to be ours. Uh, you know, they're, they're, so they're, they're, so they're saying, yeah, it's better that, that, you know, that they're getting, that they don't touch this stuff and let us just, you know, let us have them. The, uh, it's the same thing that you would see happen oftentimes, oftentimes, more often than not with, uh, liberal denominations or liberal congregations, you know, the liberal party in, in, in a denomination, uh, doesn't typically leave. They fight and they fight and fight in, uh, until they can, uh, through very, you know, through tricky, uh, political maneuvering, you know, tip normally they will push out the conservatives. Uh, they'll, they'll punish and depose, uh, you know, whatever they can, they try to get the majority, um, uh, and use, you know, very backhanded tactics to get the strong conservative voices out and then frustrate the rest so that they leave. I mean, this is largely what happened with the PCUS and, uh, with Jake Gresham Machen, 
but uh, PCUSA. At, at the time, it was PCUS, I think. Wasn't nope. PCUS was, was PC the Southern. Okay. Yep. The, the PCUS was where the PCA came out of. Because uh, merged. Yeah. Uh, but the the but you understand what I'm saying there. And it's the yep. same thing that generally happened with the R uh, with the CRC too. Um, and we're giving formation to the URC. Um, but the the point being, the the left uh, secularists are very aware of what they're doing, and they're they're already calling for uh, in response to these boycotting uh, by conservatives. Um, they're already calling for. Well, obviously, our old methods uh, of organizing ourselves aren't working. We need a new way to organize and to counter and shut out the uh, to shut out the conservatives. I mean, this is I was seeing this kind of stuff like everywhere on major news media outlets, major news media outlets. The the, the I want to put a question out uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll bow out of my my end here, but um, and see if there's anything you want to follow up on. But uh, this this all of this puts a real serious uh, question to all of us, you know, um, I'd already said, you know, for, for, uh, for me, I don't necessarily care if you boycott, uh, you know, if, if you choose to boycott something like this, like, like, uh, like target or not. I mean, that, that's, that's nice. I myself am not endorsing target. I myself, I, you know, uh, I'm spared quite a lot of things like Chick-fil-A. I have never been a fan, but, uh, they aren't know. even in this part of the country. No. There they are for actually they are in uh, Sioux Falls. Oh well, I I already have the moral high ground there. I've always hated Chick Fil A. I'm kidding. Um, the uh, uh, it's hard to boycott everything, is why I say that. But I don't necessarily care if someone boycotts or not. There has I think it has to be a conscious decision, um, mm-hmm. and not going with the flow. But it's it's hard to boycott everything, and already like say you you want to. If you want to, you know, stay away from Apple uh, and Apple products, where do you go? What other OS are you going to use? Microsoft. Well, great. They're already endorsing all this stuff, too. Uh, What about, uh, you know, Android phones? Cool. Uh, How much of Android actually runs on Google stuff? Like, yeah, it's all of it. (laughs) That's no better. Uh, Do we get rid of our phones? Sure, that's fine. I'm I'm totally fine with going back to flip phones. Uh, You know, there's actually some pretty cool ones now nowadays. Um, and Gen Z seems to really like them, but uh, you know, so 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 where where are there certain lines? And uh, for me, Amazon, okay, Amazon is a, we all know is a super convenient thing, right? Being able to just go and click, and you have your uh, you know the shipping shipping fees generally waived for Prime members, whatever. Uh, you can browse things and find stuff that you don't always find in stores, or they didn't have good prices. Here's my point with that. I would love to personally cut all of that. And it's a serious question. But what I'm more interested in is can we ourselves also go in, uh, provide these kind of alternatives? Mm-hmm. Like I, how many times I go on the internet uh, looking for a, a Christian owned uh, or even simply just a conservative Amazon alternative. 
and it's it there's nothing that's really that really kind of has that kind of scope yeah or i mean if it is it's very narrow like so amazon you're gonna buy your books off amazon well if you're buying you know reform books you can go buy them from rhb or or wts books they have them (laughs) cbd or anything you know that you've got options there Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. um other books it gets more difficult and also you find a lot of these like other off-brand sellers while they're actually owned by the same big companies like a books is owned by amazon so you know if you're going to a books and trying to avoid amazon sorry um i say this i've actually divested just about all of my business from amazon and have found alternatives for most things um it takes it's not yeah it takes some work it takes some effort well case in point with like i mean target right yeah, it, you you know we can we easily go and, bar, and boycott Target, but then people will go over to Walmart and still get stuff at Walmart that endorses the same stuff. Yeah, the uh, I, uh, I think it's more of an issue of like being strategic, and you know, if there's a boycott, that's you know, if somebody's doing something that's like really public and loud mm-hmm. and egregious. Yeah, we can band together and we can make them pay for that, and it sends a message to others that. Maybe you want to think twice before you do this. Yeah. And it's, I mean, for me, it's not even a, a you know, hey, make you pay. It's, uh, you know, I, I want my money to go somewhere else if that's the case. I don't want to yeah. fund you. But they, that, 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 my, my question though, if my actual question being put forward is where's the Christian organization? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't care if the liberals get, you know, these, these businesses. If they want them, take them, go for it. Uh, if you want the name recognition, Go for it. You want the capital? Fine. But um, even when you get to something like the Republican Party, uh, again, it, the Republican Party and, and this this, bi- this this bipartisan party we have in the U.S. as a whole, it, they're pandering. They, they pander. We know that, uh, yeah, you know, it ends up always becoming a, oh, lesser of the two evils or this guy is going to be closer to my alignment. But you know, it's, it's to my values, but again, yeah, you, you do you go in? Uh, we we all knew Trump was a terrible person, um, and it's like okay, but at least he's going to be able to get some stuff done. Well, great. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I'm probably like 98 percent sure that one of the guys we were ribbing earlier in the show, I'm going to end up voting for in the exactly. end. Exactly, <laughs> but it, it 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 ultimately does still beg the question of even if we can't have a, a Christian uh, political party of sorts or whatever, uh, we know the difficulty of uh, third parties getting any kind of platform in our country. But the uh, or uh, are there elements of 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 lobbying or how can Christians become uh, involved in these things? At least, uh, in other words. Um, there, there, there does have to be, in my thinking, we just, just we're, we're good neo-Calvinists, uh, we're, we're Kyperians, we're not theonomists or theocrats. We think that Christians should have institutions. If you watch, if you watch TV, um, you know how, how wonderful it is to be able to be spared of uh, of things like Netflix or whatever. If, if there was uh, something better than Pure Flix or whatever. You know, uh, if we had something that was at least, uh, you know, offered something that's even just more sanitized and not as, as crappy production or, or, you know, 
or cheesy. What if, mm-hmm. why can't we have things like, uh, you know, I, for one, I'm very happy for Christian baseball leagues. I'll say that Christian baseball, softball leagues. You just talked about little league and what's going mm-hmm. on with that. Well, you know, can churches want... band together and start their own youth sports leagues that and operate they, they, according they to their exist. values? Yeah. Uh, and even then we, we know what happened with the boy scouts, the girl scouts. Well, I mean the, the, you know, here in the Reformed uh, end, in the Continental Reformed, we have the Calvinist cadets and we have gems. It's, uh, uh, you know, so we, we've always had those alternatives that still stand strong. There's benefits to elements of institutionalizing, though, is what I'm mm-hmm. stating here. Uh, can yeah. we become more creative in utilizing the money that we're already spending towards Target uh, in putting towards investment in a Christian organization that might be a business organization that can rival or not rival, but provide the alternative for something like Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we need to have that institution building ethos because um, sorry to say, I know there's been a lot of doom and gloom on this stream already, but as far as this culture and this country, I don't think things are going to get a lot better for Christians real quickly. And part of getting by in a hostile world, in a hostile culture, is we have to be able to build our own institutions. We have to provide people with jobs. We have to provide people to a uh, means to make a living. Uh, we have to be able to, um, and yeah, I mean the the kind of the culture and the 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 art and the things that we want to have, the things that you know make life. Uh, enjoyable if we're going to have them and they're not going to be captured and they're not going to be corrupted by all these worldly and sinful influences we've yeah we've got to get creative and we have to have our own um one of my includes legal protection too yeah we understand we understand already with the nature of businesses you can be a christian business owner you can own a christian bakery and they're still going to come after you yeah or even like the professions themselves, because things like bar associations and medical associations and all of that have been heavily captured. You know, you need things maybe even like new credentialing bodies ATS. and credentialing systems. Uh, yeah, the ATS accreditation, we want to do some stuff on that probably sooner rather than later, because I think it's a really important discussion. Accreditation bodies of higher education. Never mind the institutions of higher education themselves. Uh, one of my favorite... Not to keep going back to political things, but one of my favorite uh, political commentators right now is a guy named uh, Oron McIntyre, and he's on the blaze, so there you go. I'm not completely, you know, <laughs> shutting it down. Um, but, uh, and he's a Christian. He's some kind of Baptist, I believe. But uh, uh, he does a lot of, uh, I think, helpful reflection on things of this sort. And something he says is... Uh, you know, we, we look a lot about like going back to what came before as far as, you know, the glories of the past when we had a largely Christian culture and civilization. And, you know, people are always looking to go back to that and recapture that. And uh, probably a more helpful way to look at where we stand now as Christians in America in 2023 is ours is a conquered culture and we are insurgents. We are basically looking to 
Um, we're basically up against and revolting against the prevailing culture and building things anew um, because so much of, of what we had before, even though we did have it once, it's lost and we're not getting it back. So um, I think it's... I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, you know, it's a... Um, yeah, I, I think that's easy. It, it's easy to complain. It's easy to, you know, to point out the, the, the frustrating things. We, we all see them likely. We, we're, we're at least all aware of them, even if we don't always know how to articulate all this stuff that's bothering us in this culture or whatever. It's easy to complain. But the, the, the hard part, and, and this is why I mean when I'm saying like, like, oh, you know, hey, OPAD guys, you know, well, you, you just want your, you, you, do you just want your cake and, uh, to eat it too? Like, you know, you, you could talk about all these various people and, you know, you want to, uh, you know, uh, shouldn't you go and boycott them or do something about them? You know, it's at least, at least on my end, I think it's, you know, it's harder to get creative. It's harder to start trying to seek, uh, alternatives in particular answers and, and asking ourselves, well, what, you know, what is, uh, what is the cost if we don't start looking forward? If we're only stuck looking at what we once had, kind of like what Andrew's saying here from from you know from the Blaze, yeah, th- those are great things, and we can take certain great great inspirations from them. But we also need to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And who are we rebuilding for? It's not necessarily just ourselves. We may not see fruits for a long time. Uh, it may not be for, until our kids or children's children. But point being, uh, you know, there, there's we should be aware of what's happening. Take it uh, in our cultures and society. Remember, we we know the Pride uh, Pride Month isn't just something in the U.S. Um, it's global, mm-hmm. but we we need to really get uh, get thinking. Uh, and have have think tanks in generating how to uh, basically sustain ourselves in a sense. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I just don't think have done that kind of thinking. A lot of people either try to avoid the discussion. You know, we've talked about not to keep beating a dead horse, but we've talked about you know forms of two kingdoms thinking that uh, just basically don't want to play ball on any of this stuff. Uh, sorry to say, um, or there's others that, yeah, they, they build their whole, uh, ideology and vision of cultural engagement around. Yeah. We'll just go back to where we were before and we're not going back to where we were before. You know, one of my critiques of like, uh, Stephen Wolf and his case for Christian nationalism, I think he's got some good points. He's done a lot of, you know, sourcing and reformed history and stuff. But at the end of the day, like, it's not the 17th century anymore. Um, I, I think it's too idealistic. We we have no clear path to get there. So what do we do with what we have? Well, what do we do with what God has given us and where he has placed us that we can actually uh, make a difference, not just for ourselves, but for future generations and we'll uh, glorify God, uh, see the gospel go forth and, uh, and uh, be salt and light in this world. Yeah, and we're not going to tell you today or something. I suppose we've kind of hinted strongly at it all throughout. 
We're almost um, at two hours, so it's like... Uh, so we... Yeah, I believe this is our longest show yet. Uh, <laughs> after I said we kind of need to keep it short, because I got stuff in the morning. But yeah. uh, So, we'll Me go too. ahead and, and wrap up there. Uh, thank you for joining us on Once For All Delivered on this very long show about pride in the myth of neutrality. Um, as always, if you uh, like what you've heard, subscribe, share... Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Like, if you're listening on the podcast, I notice most of our traffic is still there. We are doing mm. these shows live. Maybe you catch one. You can chat, uh, get involved, make it a little more interactive. Uh, but we are on social media too at OFAD Podcast. You can consider supporting us, becoming a paid subscriber. Go to our website, onceforalldelivered.com. Uh, pledge in a subscription. Least, in the least, with the subscriptions and such too. In the least, I believe, uh, I mean, you, you, we can also view these videos on YouTube if you can't catch the live stream. Yeah, so you, you still see, see them. Our ugly mugs, uh, or at least my ugly mug, but uh, Andrew's handsome uh, visage, uh, whatever that means. I think it means face, but you can look at us and watch us um, repeating the same movements in uh, this little, you know, square frame. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you, it's it's a thing. Yeah, we're doing video. We're working on it. We try. We're gradually figuring it out a little more and having fewer hiccups and trying some new things. If you if you watch the video of this show, we had some slides, we had some video, so uh, try to make it worth your while. And so, um, but also too, if you do support us with a subscription, is to you know we're not getting rich off of this. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not even making money off this. Any of the money we get, we just goes back into the show to try to mm -hmm. make it better, make it look better, make it sound better. Uh, yeah, make it more interesting. So anyway, um, if you have questions for us, you can email us, OFADpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or, yeah, hit us up on our social media feeds. And, uh, yeah, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun, let's be honest. Yeah. And should we should we try out our new uh, closing tag? We have a new closing tag. Yeah, there was there was uh, something of a of a recommendation kind of. Five early. seconds. Yeah, that we are uh, we are the inane juvenile discourse podcast. Oh, Thank the you inane. For listening to this episode, for the latest news and updates. <gasps> visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once For All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once for All Delivered.